and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show into our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. And so good morning, everyone, uh, throughout the nation. Um, Coming to you live from Connecticut, from Myrtle Beach, and today with a a live, very special guest from New York. Um, Just want to let you know that um, this is a a very, very special guest. date we have today because it's been uh, building up to a crescendo we are we have this special event that we i have been working on with other people uh regarding the topic of gender bias and and missing males and uh, we have so much to talk about but before we start with our guests let me bring on delightful delilah good morning from myrtle beach how are you Good morning. Um, just great. How I hope everyone else is out there in listener land. And just for uh, the uh, sake of the listeners out there that are tuned in, we do have the chat room open today. So if there's any questions you might have, please sign in and feel free. And we'll try to get to them as, as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, I know we have a lot, cool. to, a lot to discuss on this show. And um, with our special guest who who has a lot of inside information to impart to everyone. So um, I just want to take a minute to let everyone out there know that uh, in October, I believe, and I don't have the exact dates, maybe Janine can tell us, um, but the Q Center for Missing Persons does an annual road tour where um, – People in different states and different areas can set up a stop. And what that means is whether it's in a park or a parking lot or a storefront or a church or wherever it is that you can gather people where you can um, be in the public eye where there's traffic or or however you want to do it, you you have the ability to uh, coordinate one of these road stops. and this year, they, so far, the itinerary is North and South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and probably more states to be added soon. So um, if you feel like this is something that speaks to you, please watch for information. It'll be all over Facebook soon. And if you have a missing loved one or if you, your area has a group of missing loved ones like my area does, um, get together, get everyone together to sponsor a stop, and the media media will be notified. They almost always show up, so it's a great time to to get the word back out there to bring attention to your case um, of your missing loved one. And I know our guest Janine. Shanahan can speak to that because she goes on the tour every year. So I'm I'm really excited to have her come on and 
tell us <laughs> how much fun she has, but also how much meaning this this tour has. It, it means a lot to everybody involved in it, and it's one of the most important things that Q Center does. So, um, Donna, I will let you introduce our guest. Okay, thank you. And you know, I agree with everything that you just said. I wanted them to take a ride at Alabama and come up to Connecticut, but it's not going to work out <laughs> for, for, for them to travel up here. I did this in 2014, and it was a wonderful learning experience for me. It was tremendous, so I um, highly recommend it. But you, you also have to get the designated date that they are coming through to your, to your way so that you can get everything planned. Um, Janine Alfred-Shanahan is um, – is from um, New from New York, and if I pronounce her town correctly, Celeron is that connect uh, yes. correct, uh, Janine? Celeron, New yes, York. Yes, it is. Okay, um, and she has has um, been a Q uh, coordinator for quite a few years, and that is a story in itself, which she will share with us in terms of how she met Monica Kaysan and how she became um, interested in working with, with the, with the Q. And um, I have to say that um, she, she and I hatched this idea about um, doing this special show with regard to young missing males. And there is not only a perceived, but a real gender bias out there with the um, on social media, with media in general, with some law enforcement, with um, other people that, oh, you know, young men don't go missing, only, you know, young, blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, uh, young women or children because that's basically who the media gravitate to. And it is so unfair for so many people. And we have proved that over the last month, if you've been following our event with the numerous postings from from the queue that, that we put up, and every story is heart-touching, and um, these people deserve to have attention to their cases. So that's what we're, we're aiming for. But so, Janine, uh, without further ado, um, I know that you, you um, are a mother of, of, of three children. You are... A wife, you are a dedicated Q coordinator. Um, how else can we introduce you as a person? Um, a mother of the like missing. To... Yes. A mother of the missing. Is, and it seems to be my full-time job. What? Um, and pretty much what I do. So. Okay. Tell us. Tell us how you. Um, how you met Monica Kaysan and how you became involved with the Q. When Damien went missing, he went missing from Warren, Pennsylvania, which is only 17 miles away. He was out of the army. Um, I was friends with a couple that had a missing daughter that is registered with a Q, Lori Seaside Beauvais. Mm-hmm. A young girl also went missing in our area, Yolanda Bendix, which is also registered with a Q. She has been recovered, but her case has not been solved. Once again, it was the roadside tour that came through. Monica and her crew came in. I was invited by the mothers, and I went up there with Damien's picture, not knowing what to expect. 
uh, I was greeted by Monica and once and also encouraged to register Damien on the Q site, which is a very important piece of information that people need to know. Um, you can send us pictures all day long in your story, but we really need to have you registered before we can seriously get down and help you. But uh, Monica is the first person in six years that said to me, I can help you. And I almost thought, this lady's crazy. I've been sitting in my living room crying and so depressed for six years. And she can help me? She did. I registered. I went to the conference. When I stood and I spoke at the conference and told Damien's story, because he's a male and it's so hard to get people to understand that he's missing, that he didn't walk off, that he didn't commit suicide. You know, he had no children to get out of spousal support. He had no bills to be running away from. He had just gotten the, out of the army to go to college. He had his life on track. Stood in that, in front of that crowd at the Q conference. And my first words were, wow, half of my thing that I usually have to go through, I don't have to because you all get it. There were so many parents and family members of missing persons in, in that audience that I was almost at a loss for words, that it was so not overwhelming, but you just absolutely get it that he is missing, that a mother knows pretty much what her kid was into, what they are doing, and they are not coming back. So the cue has really strengthened me, and it all started with the road tour. Wow, and, and, that, and that really served as a lifeline and a, and a comfort to you like you probably never experienced in all of those six years, correct? Talking to all the other parents. It's, it's, and I know what it's like trying to comfort somebody that has a missing child when you don't. And then all of a sudden, your child goes missing. And my words to the seasides, and the only thing that could come out of my mouth was, oh, because I understood. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you just, there's no words for it. Just, oh. Right, That's and you know powerful. they they helped me. Well, Janine, you know, I I think I was in the audience when you when you gave this testimony in front of everyone, and it was so moving. And exactly what you said, everyone there gets it. Um, not all of us have a missing person that attend the conference, but we have the compassion and we have the the willingness to learn and the willingness to listen. Um, maybe for the, for the listeners, you can explain where have you gone from that point where the road tour turned you around in as far as your missing persons case, and maybe even personally, I'm sure. But where has that journey taken you? What was the next step? What did you learn to do next? The next step, and, and this is important, is, just understanding how the missing person's world works. 
Um, being a coordinator, you do get training. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, that the web offers you. Uh, I, I got, I became a stronger person to where I need to be a voice of the missing. Um, I'm a caseworker. I now work with other families that don't know where to go, what to do, and where to turn to. Our law, even though I had a very rocky start and a very hard time getting Damien pronounced missing, it took three weeks, three weeks to get him. And I was very angry. The law works with you, but yet it works against you. And I'm not saying a police officer. I'm saying the law itself. Um, it, it is very hard to get a male, you know, pronounced as missing. And you almost as have to, to jump female? through hoops. Yes, very mm-hmm. hard. Um, and God forbid if something should ever happen to my daughter, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, and I think that's why the children and the young pretty girls get so much attention, you know, because it's, it's shocking. Is but it when because of this gender missing, bias? I believe it is. I believe it is. It's still, I mean, we have males of all ages from eighties to teens that get bypassed. You right. you might hear a little bit of a story um, in a news media or, you know, in that town. But very seldom does something ever get to go nationally. We've had a few, but that is, they usually want a juicy story. I don't have a juicy story. I, you know, right. I don't have very many leads. I have no place to search. So therefore my story and he's a male does not get much attention. It's not as interesting as somebody that has like sensational details, right? Exactly. Right. I mean, he wasn't out shooting and robbing people. So that part isn't juicy. He wasn't a drug addict. That's not juicy. You know, he was just a young kid did his tour in the army and was waiting to go to college, you know, just mm-hmm. ready for life, 22 years old. And he was the only one of my children that I didn't worry about. I, and, and I still to this day, I can't believe it. 15 years later, you know, I just am still dumbfounded that my son, Damien, went missing. And, you know, I wake up in the morning just, and, and this is exactly how I feel. I'm ready for today's battle. What day is today's day, battle right? going to be? Day by day, hour by hour. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you in terms of if you could give people who may be listening, who, who haven't had this experience but are interested, a a, a little window of the the, the what you go through. And on a day, daily basis in terms of the, the feelings you have as a mother of a missing person, and then maybe what, how have your feelings changed over 15 years? I mean, there's got to, 
you still you still have the passion to to of course find him and to help others, but there's got to be some changes that have taken place since you just you just received this landmark 15 anniversary. Well, I'll tell you, it's starting when it starts to come down to the anniversary. You feel very sick. You just you don't want another year. You know, you're always thinking this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year, and mm-hmm. unfortunately bodies do pop up everywhere and not just in New York. And when you hear about it, you're thinking, could somebody have taken him there and dumped him? Could this be him? And I find myself calling that state and letting them know, look, I'm a mother of the missing, you know, the bones, the remains seem to be about the age, you know, so maybe they would get a, a jump up on the DNA, but that wasn't always the case. Uh, for six years, I remained mad, and I remained mad at the police station, at the police. Um, they weren't doing anything, and at the time, and I really, I don't like to bash our boys in blue because they are hardworking, and like I said, I know what the laws are now, but when you have a missing um, son and you see a cop just sitting alongside the road trying to catch speeders. You're thinking, why aren't you out there? You know, my son is missing. What is the matter with you? I had a lot of anger issues. And I felt that if I stayed angry, I wouldn't go down that really bad depression road, which I did without knowing it. Um, I if somebody has somebody missing and they're like that, they need to seek some help. And mm-hmm. it's not too embarrassing to get some help. Uh, I find that, you know, all my friends, my family, we do talk about Damien quite a bit. But other people just don't want to hear it anymore. So you really do need to find someone to talk to. When... uh when I got with the queue, I understood with Monica's teaching and with new um, officers on our force and getting together with the queue, I was able to get together with my investigator and become friends and to be able to sit down and he'll say, I can't tell you this because, okay. He can't tell me because it's going to hinder the investigation. I got it. Thank you for telling me. That's all I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, Now when there's a story that's going to come out, I'll get a phone call early. This is going to be in a paper or something has hit Facebook, which we will discuss that in a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I will get a warning that this is happening or that they have found remains. They found a 200-year-old Indian. We live around the reservation. We live around Chautauqua Lake and the Kenzoo. And for anybody that doesn't know, um, these were all Indian land that we live on right now. So they do find mummified remains at times, which is confusing for us to have missing kids. You know, we think that it could be us. Um, So, you know, I'm updated now. 
when things are going on. And I think it's because I was you able to understand report. the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. You need to build a report. And where the queue comes in with a coordinator like myself, I think you need that buffer. The person needs the buffer between the police and themselves. You need to find one person that is not involved that will not yell at the police or not get the families worked up. You need to be calm through this. It's a devastating, devastating situation. And people react differently. All people react differently. It's, um, there's no handbook and, you know, it's just the only word I could ever come up with is just so, it's just so devastating when this happens. Yes, absolutely. It is. Um, do you, excuse me, are, are, have you developed a particular way in terms of how you, you observe each year with, with Damien as, as the years have passed? What's most meaningful to you and your family? Well, um, I tend to stay by myself on that mm-hmm. weekend, and it's always Memorial Weekend. Um, I do go down into our village where um, our service guys do a tribune, and for a few years I didn't because it would remind me of what Damien's funeral would be like where they have the gun salute and, you know, they play the horn. But um, I always kind of go down there and memorialize Damien at that time. Sometimes our family gets together, you know. I, I It's just so sad for me that I never know what's going to happen, you know. And then I find now that after I wake up, the the day after, like this 15th year, oh, my God, now we're starting our 16th. I mean, it doesn't seem to give up. You right. know, it doesn't seem to, it you, it just doesn't, you know. You, now, never, you're, never now you're ending. preparing for the next year. Never-ending yeah. heartbreak is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said, with my training and with being able to bond with other families and to give a voice to the missing, I have found my calling. I I am now able to do these things that I have never been able to do before and talk to people like I've never been able to before. I have never been able to stand up in a crowd. Now, when I start talking about missing persons, I could probably stand in front of thousands of people in a hopes that just one person it would it would get it would get to now i've just done a benefit and i do it during our rib fest and i raise money for the queue and i have a very big poker run on the last day it's a four day event and my sisters and i and my girlfriend tiffany we set up a very large tent missing persons flyers i give out found safe coloring books and I talked to a lot of the younger kids, and when gentlemen stop by, I tell them, you could go missing, you know, and I tell that to the kids because they think, oh, I can fight them. And I'm trying to teach children that if somebody comes to them to yell fire, not to yell help, 
to yell fire. So somebody will, will notice that something's going on. But several men just could not believe how many men I had up on my wall because I make my own wall of missing persons in our tent. And they were surprised. They're and when I say surprised. you could go missing. Yeah, so these little things that I do, it just brings more attention. And it brings um, just a little more information to people, you know, because this world is not what it what it used to be like, you know. It's And I hate to say that we're not safe. I mean, you should always pay attention to your surrounding areas and what's going on because you might not live, you know, in the best place or you could live in the richest place. It happens everywhere and to everyone. Were you able to get good local, local media for your events? The newspaper did come down and I was very Mm -hmm. lucky that uh, one of our missing girls her family was there so we were able to do an interview together which yeah, she always seems to be there at the right time for me so which is great uh yeah there was a it was right on the front page um it had been mentioned in our our local news as well which was good because it does keep their names out there and that's the big thing you know it's not to just build bringing a rapport attention with the you, news media yeah, if you can right. in your town, right? You have to build a rapport with everyone, yes. from TV to newspaper to not only your direct police department, also the state police, the sheriffs, the surrounding towns when you are working a case, when you have a missing person. Um, a lot of times, one, the sheriffs do not know what the your police department's doing. Your state police do not know what your police and your sheriff's department are doing. Everybody is on the same page, but it's totally different departments and different areas that they cover and different things. And luckily, mine all work together on Damien's case in Pennsylvania. And I'm, I'm very grateful for them for all doing that. From the DA to the chief of police of the Warren Police Department, um, like I said, our sheriff's department, our state police, um, and even up here in our Jamestown area. I'm from Celeron, but our our main police department is in the town of Ellicott in Jamestown, which is surrounding area. And they're, they're very good about missing persons because, unfortunately, there are few that are missing from up in this area as well. Well, that's so valuable so, oh. that you, 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 do, you do have that situation, and there's so many people that do not. And it's very important that you say because all of these different entities, whether it be in South Carolina, has in the Horry County and all those places, it has so many different police entities, and you all need to work together no matter where you are. But this brings me to the point, and we can just touch on it briefly if you want, um, where I had initially – written a post um, which kind of uh, blossomed into this event with regard to the whole concept of fake news where somebody somebody tried to report something fake about happening about your son's case. Is that right? Yes. 
I got a call at 6 o'clock in the morning from my detective that said, have you been on Facebook yet? And I said, no. He said, well, he said, there is a story on Facebook, and it has a picture of a guy, and it said that he's wanted for Damien's disappearance. He said, if you read the whole article at the end, it states that this is a fake post. When people look at Facebook posts, and you see something, and it was a very devastating article, and I'm glad I was warned because I was shocked by it. I was shocked for one that somebody did that. That is an awful, awful prank. I don't know if the guy, the picture of of the gentleman, um, I don't know if he was involved and thought it was funny or if it was a shock to him as well. I know that the police are looking into it. But my phone, when something like this happens, my phone blows up, Facebook blows up. I'm getting just call after call after call. And it takes a few days for all of this to settle down. Now, I like to think that I'm okay and I have a handle on Damien's missing and that I'm strong. But when something like this happens, I'm not. And I myself feel like curling up into a little ball and just hiding and waiting for it to go away. Um, It's very sad that somebody would do that to our family, to my mother, my sisters, you know, and they know that immediately if I haven't called them, that it's not true. Right. It's another re-victimization, another, you know, it's horrible. Delilah, I wondered if you could, from the PR standpoint or social media, what, how do we, is there a way for us to differentiate fake news? Is there something we can do? Well, I I think, you know, the most common sense approach is read everything before you repost it. Um, A lot of times what happens is, everybody's so interested in being the first one to report the scoop and they don't look to see whether or not it's, it's actually true. And if it's actually based on facts, they just want to get the word out there because they saw it first. But um, so I, I, you know, I beg everyone to go to the source, read, read everything you can before you post that post it's really important because there's just so many people out there that that mean harm and and unfortunately it's true there's people who actually prey on the families of the missing and we've seen it over and over and over on so many cases all through the years and i'm sure there are a lot of horror stories that are worse than what i even know about but you know, I just beg people, if you don't have something to offer the families, then just sit back. Just sit back and, and investigate on your own or or read about it, but leave them alone if you don't have something positive to do for them. Um, it's It's just mind-boggling to me, and I don't understand the mindset of someone who would purposely go out of their way to hurt these families and it happens every day yeah it's just awful I mean you just you you don't know and and you begin to get the mindset that you don't trust anything you read anymore particularly in 
this volatile political climate, which it, it's just awful. I'm so turned off by everything political, and it, it's happening everywhere. So, you know, I think you're right. And if it's not going to help the family, that's good advice. If it's not going to help the family, then, you know, don't don't put anything well, up also, there. Also, they're getting a lot of calls from everybody. You know, and we do. We get a lot of calls. Just, you know, if people just wouldn't call. You know, if it's true, you're going to find out. It'll be all over the newspapers. Um, my friends had totally read it and did not call me. And when I talked to them, you know, they just said, I'm really sorry that this is happening. You know, uh, but it it makes you relive their disappoint this their disappearing moment over again. It's the same right. feeling when something like this happens. And we do tend to go in a into a defensive mode when people start calling. You know, is this true? Why didn't you tell me? Really? We have enough issues right now. We do not need that. So it's it's very hurtful. And very harmful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure what the uh, charge would be in terms of prosecution, but I hope that person does get prosecuted. Um, well, I know they're I, looking into it. Well, good. Um, with regard to, I know I was mentioning to you off air about um, somebody else and um, a different kind of a case. And um, with regard to, we're, we're always hoping and praying that. We will we will get restoration. We will find the answers for Damien and for all of the other people. But when that comes to pass, Janine, um, would you be the type of person that would want to know the details, would want to visit yes. a crime scene, would want to have access to your son if it be remains or other kind of evidence, I know there are families that maybe would not. Tell us about that and your rationale. I would want to. I would want to see where it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, with Damien being gone, and normally they are discarded somewhere or buried, I would hope buried only because of mummification. And it's very sad that I know a lot about bones, remains, and what happens to them, whether it be animals scattering them around or whatever happens. Um, If there was one part of Damien left, I don't care if it's a finger bone, an arm, a femur, I would want to touch that. I would want to touch it and tell him goodbye. Um, Being a coordinator and I go on sites and I do look at remains. So I'm a little stronger when it comes to that than possibly others are. I mm-hmm. would want to know every single detail. Um, or I don't think I would be at peace. I don't want to be left wondering. I've been wondering for 15 years. I don't want to wonder anymore. It, it, you have so many scenarios playing in your head you know, of their last moments. When he went missing, it was raining and it was cold and he was on crutches. And I wouldn't eat because I know he wasn't eating. And I wouldn't sleep because I thought he's out there in the rain laying somewhere. And I went through a lot of that. So wondering what is happening, what went on, 
if I just find out all the details, maybe a little piece of him left, I think it would help me. I don't know about closure. I don't know if anybody gets closure after something like this, but, oh, I pray there is something, you know. Right. And I always say I'm not worried about the person yet, but I just would like to find his remains. Absolutely. And then go from there. You know, we it, it it brings me to the point that we haven't really discussed the, the the. I know there's not that much to tell, but in terms of the actual circumstances, I mean, he was wasn't he there with the family, and he was going out, he was going out in an errand, and he was on crutches, and he didn't return. Is that is that the brunt of it? Well, you they were describe? they were planning on going camping that weekend. Um, Who was they? Damien. Damien, my son, Stephen, mm-hmm. um, and Stephen's wife, and then just a bunch of their friends. They have, um, they both have friends together. And with Damien, you know, being out of the Army and it's, you know, coming summer, everybody's ready for a bonfire and camping, which they've done all their life. And with uh, Damien hurt his knee on a skateboard, my son, Stephen, had him get on a skateboard and Damien didn't belong on one, and he re-injured his knee that he hurt in the Army. He didn't want to have his knee fixed until after he started school, like on a break when he could be down and still be studying. Uh, But he re-injured it and ended up on crutches and felt that with it being so muddy, he didn't dare go out. So he said, well, let's just hold a party here at the house. His uh, downstairs neighbor, she was going for the weekend away, which were really good friends, and my sister is related to the lady. Uh, She said, go ahead, Damien, because she knew that Damien took care of the yard, took care of the friends. There was never, you know, beer cans. He was 22, so there was never beer cans laying around, things like that. She said, go ahead, you know, you have the whole yard, use my fire pit, you know. So there was friends at the house, and he was going to go up to the store, and I am not sure where else. Drive him, drop him off, and he said, I'll call you later. He never came back again. That was so it. So he wasn't able to drive because it was his driving leg or whatever on crutches? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he and left everything, his car, everything, everything. And his and prescription for Vicodin for his knee. I mean, he never even had that filled. You know, just, huh. he was just gone. And was this like and a no convenience one, store or a grocery store that he was headed to? Well, a convenience store. Mm-hmm. little convenience store on the east side of Warren, Pennsylvania. And uh, video, did did they have video? No videos. Um, there? No? No, there, no. And uh, my son, Stephen, was still at work. And when he got out of work, he went to Damien's apartment. And everybody was there but Damien. Mm -hmm. Stephen stayed for a while and then went to look for Damien. And back then, hardly anybody had any type of a cell phone. You know, you're still using cordless phones at home and things like that. So there was no way to try to call him. And uh, Stephen just told everybody to go home. And he locked up the apartment, and um, that was it. 
that was just it. Very mysterious. My goodness. Now, I knew something was wrong because Damien is a caller. Uh, in the Army, he would make sure that I knew that he was out on the field for 10 days. If I called him, he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't be there. Don't worry. When he was in Bosnia and Kosovo, he would call me. And, of course, our days and nights are mixed up. And I was at work. Hey, Mom, I'm okay. I'm alive. You know, I will try to call you at this day and at this time so mm-hmm. I could prepare for the next call. Um, when he was out of the Army, you know, he would call me up and put me on speakerphone. His friends would be there. Mom, we're going down to Dave's in Pittsburgh. I'll be gone for two days. This is Dave's number. He was a caller. He called me. He called his father. He would call his, you know, he always kept in touch with the family. And he was stationed at Fort Drum in the Army so he could drive home for long weekends, which is up near Syracuse. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where he got stationed. Strong family ties and, yeah, connection and, and then... And then nothing. Um, what was it that he planned to do when he he got into into school? Like you say, he was going to school, right? Yes. Um, something to do with um, not making movie videos, but it was something to do with videos. Mm-hmm. Very technical. I really didn't understand it, but I knew he could make money at it. You know. Uh, it was all new technology that was coming out in, in terms of video and film industry and all of that. Maybe some kind of producing or or creating yeah, videos, something like that. Just mm-hmm. yeah, he. That's what you know. That's yeah. what he was going into. Well, it sounds like it could have been a very promising career. That's very sad. Hey, um, a couple of things. I know we have. Um, Oh, about maybe 15, 12 or so minutes left. And I want I have a couple other questions, but I also wanted to be able to um, um, pay tribute to the many other people that, that, that we have listed um, that in terms of the postings that we did. But I just, before we, we do that, I wanted to know, in all of this time, um, I mean, what what was there in particular in being a missing person mom that you were not prepared for? Uh, I mean, maybe there are many things, but what 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 stands out to you? Um, media attention. You mean lack of I, media attention? Lack of it. I mean, when this happened, I went out myself to um, the stations. I just couldn't get any help. Um, nobody wanted to pronounce Damien missing. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it wasn't just the police. And I was asked when I reported him that uh, don't put out any flyers, don't do anything. And I did hear a couple officers say, we'll find him floating in a couple days. Um, it was the lack of, yes. And that's a true story. Um, like I said, since then, our police department has changed. Um, thank goodness. But uh, the the TV didn't want to do anything. The radio didn't want to do anything. Um, finally, after three weeks of 
then Damien was reported missing, it did start. But then when it started at that, that was also a bit overwhelming. I I just think any any turn that you make in a missing person's investigation, whether you're doing it or you're the family, things just kind of shock you and you don't understand it as you go through unless you have somebody to help you that has either been through it or knows how to handle it. Um, you can hold somebody's hand all day long, but I, I think a family needs to come to grips and needs to build their own plan and needs to be able to speak out. And if you can't, get somebody that can and don't shut up. Continue over and over and over. People still say, oh, he's still missing. Yes. So, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's it's a difficult situation. It's, and especially it certainly being is. a male. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, and I, and my heart to all those that are mothers of the missing, male, female, elderly, young, my heart goes out to you 100%. You know, it just really does. Well, with, in terms of what, what we can do proactively now, the, the different things that I can think of, of course, this road tour really makes all the difference because you were invited and that's one means. Um, passing postings um, perpetually and people pass them around, um, doing radio shows, um, doing presentations, holding events like you do. What what else comes to mind that we can do to keep the missing males and other people? I mean, are there other things that maybe we haven't mentioned to date that we all can continue to do? Um, just, I mean, just, just post these missing person um, flyers that we send. Uh, I found out that a lot of my friends are doing it, and I'm very grateful. Um, During the anniversary or hunting season or a big event, try to get the media involved and so people know. You know, we're a big hunting area. We have the Allegheny National Forest. Looking for our missing persons is like looking for a needle in a haystack. So during hunting season and things like that, uh, fall foliage, I try to get out into the newspapers to not just my son, but to all my families and in their areas so they know that there's somebody out there to look for while they're hiking, fishing, hunting, that Mm -hmm. type of deal, because that's when they're going to be found. You know, clothing, mark the spot. I try to go all in for yeah, everybody change seasons take, here. Take, a, take advantage of that. And, um, I mean, every state that, that would apply to in every state. Cause we are, we are, in Connecticut, it's like the most dense state in terms of trees that I read in, in the entire country, even though we are a small state proportionally. There's so, you know, there's so many trees, there's so many forests, so that's very important. Um, One other thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of go through our list, too, you had mentioned the importance of counseling. And I know with having, you know, other counselors on my show, um, there's not a lot of counselors that have a specialty with regard to either homicide 
or particularly missing persons. How do we, I mean, did you, did you find a counselor that you felt could really understand the issues, or did you have to train your own counselor? I had to train my own counselor, and I'll tell you what. When I talked to my doctor, I said, my family states that I'm having an issue. Um, I don't see it coming on myself, but my friends and my family will see that I'm more withdrawn, and they'll tell me it's time that I need to go talk to somebody. Uh, And my problem is they send me to the, and they're mostly all like drug and alcohol counselors. That's not, or their family counselors. Um, there's nothing, I cannot find one that would just, you know, counsel like tragedies. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. sick and I'm not addicted to anything. So going to some of these, they kind of counsel you like you are. Okay, well, here's your plan. Really? Well, when I wake up in the morning, there goes your plan. So it's it's difficult to find the right it, one. But I think if, if you continue and you find that one person that gets you, um, I do talk to a lady named Kim. Like mm-hmm. I said, when brought to my attention, I'll call up and say, you know, Kim, I need to make an appointment. And, you know, she has since then gone on and the web and try to read up on missing persons to understand it more, to be able to talk with me about it. And yeah, I also I think, think that's where our coordinators, our coordinator system, the ones that talk and work with a family like I do, I mm-hmm. think it's because I understand. And yes, I get depressed myself, but when it comes to another family, I am there 100%. And that's when my strong comes out. That's when my courage comes out is when I'm working with them. So they're not left behind. Yeah. It's I always tell them, I tell them, call me 24 seven. You call me at two o'clock in the morning. If you're having, if you can't sleep, I'll stay up and I'll talk with you. Um, some parents are suicidal. Some, um, are just so distraught that have actually become very sick mm-hmm. because they don't feel they have anywhere to go or anywhere to turn. And it does, it makes you physically ill. Yeah. Well, I commend you for being available 24 seven. That's, that's, that's over and above. And I'm sure the families really do appreciate so much. And with addressing the whole counseling issue, I know that the show we did a couple of weeks ago with regard to connecting nonprofits for homicide across the nation, there are that the homicide groups are, have compiled, at least I know in Connecticut, particular therapists that they know our credentials and have experience in working with homicide families. And I would think that because with missing persons, homicide goes part and parcel with that is so common that if you can also connect with, with somebody regionally that deals with homicide um, uh, cases and and counseling that they, they might also be a resource here. um, uh, Homicide groups because Missing persons is frequently associated with that. Um, 
what I'd like to do, and I'm not really sure the best way, but I do have a bunch of um, postings here that we we have featured um, since about a month ago, and um, everyone can go on um, on the media attention site as well as my my Facebook um, my Facebook site uh, to see who all of the people were. But in case I don't know, maybe it's just um, I, I want to pay tribute to all of these dis- different people. And Absolutely. Um, if I miss someone, please do forgive me. You can go in um, and, and see them, and you can also go to um, ncmissingpersons.org and read the Q profiles as well as people's personal websites. But, for example, Casey Berry from Colorado, missing 210-2007. David Lovely from Wyoming, um, missing since 8-5-1985. Jason Adkins from West Virginia, missing since uh, January 18th, 1999. Uh, Amos Mortier from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, missing since 11 11 2004, uh, 2004. Austin Renshaw from the state of Washington, Seattle, Tacoma, Washington, since October 2003. Uh, there, uh, Zachary, and I'm sorry, I don't have his last name on this posting here. Zachary missing from McMillanville, Oregon. Missing since uh, July 2013. Uh, James Hingham the third, January 2002. Uh, we have Justin Gaines from Georgia, missing um, since um, November 2007. Benjamin Lund. Missing from Harker Heights, Texas, since June 2005. Uh, Kareem Jamal Ward, missing from Horry County, South Carolina, missing since June 2007. Let's see, uh, David Potts II, missing from Missouri since October 2006. Uh, let's see here. Um, sorry, I don't have the date on this posting at this moment, but Brian Sullivan um, as well. And it's, let's see, it's so tiny here, it's hard for me to read. J- July 7th, 2007, from, from Rochester, New York. Josh, Joshua Middleton from Mount Judea, Arkansas. Missing since January 2005. Jesse Ross from Chicago, Illinois. Missing since November 2006. Um, this this gentleman, um, forgive me, I don't have his last name, but Mr. Youngblood 
Um, Corona, Rapids, North Carolina, and I understand, unfortunately, unfortunately, he was found deceased about a month ago. Um, um, in one second, I'm trying to call it my um, thing here. There, there is. There are also a number of other people. My my screen has just gone blank on my computer. I apologize. Um, so there are many. We also have. We have Cole Thomas. Cole Thomas. We have also Cole Thomas that is new to the Q case that is being worked heavy right now. And uh, I had a chance to meet his mother, and she is in a very devastating place right now, Um, as all mothers go through, not just at the beginning, you know, but all through. And to all the moms and dads, I'm just so very sorry. Yeah, um, so I think we need to um, we need to emphasize that um, you know this is just you know this is just a small a small percentage. I I do have my my um, list up now. Uh, <laughs> Billy uh, Smolinski Jr. missing from Waterbury, Connecticut. Aaron John Watkins. Brandon Peanut Graves, Jesse Ross, Johnson Middleton, um, Durant Xavier Bolton, Andy Scott um, uh, um, Simon, Gerard Johnston, it was Gary J. Youngblood, um, and and like I said, Austin Renshaw, Zachary Malinowski, and so many, oh, and also we want to do a special mention because Randy Davis's uh, remains, we believe, were were identified about a month ago um, uh, with the Q's help, and I had the I had the distinct pleasure of of speaking with his mom just a few days ago, and we will be trying to help uh, keep his name out there in the forefront as well as helping them develop some type of legacy for Randy. Um, so with that, um, I don't know if, uh, Janine, you have some pout, uh, parting words you'd like to convey about this whole message that we've done this past hour? I just, I would just hope that maybe people would start taking uh, the males missing a little more um, important or realize that it does happen to them at all ages. I'm like I said earlier, it's not just the little boys or the teenage boys, you know, the young men and also older gentlemen. I mean, they they do go missing. People's grandfathers have gone missing. Uh they are not running away from responsibility. Something has happened to them and they are somewhere. And every missing person is someone's child. And it's also a family member. So, I, you know, if something comes out that, that there is a, a, a male missing, I hope they pay closer attention to it. You know, because they might see something and not think of it because it is a male that it's happening to. So 
You know, we need to be aware of our surroundings. It, yes, indeed. And can you give us um, some contact information if you'd like to have people uh, contact you uh, directly as a result of this show? Oh, absolutely. I will talk to anybody on the phone that likes. I don't have a problem with giving out my phone number. Okay, you can give um, it out here if you like. Area code 716-499-2002. I have, it's under Janine Allred Shanahan. You can try to get me through Messenger. Uh, my email is Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, 2010 at Yahoo. You can contact me that way. Well, and I just wanted yeah. to say that the queue, you need to be registered with the queue for us to help you, and we will go 100%. We have a lot of coordinators, a lot of caseworkers that will help you. Yes, and indeed. I think that's and how I get that's how I get through. I feel that I need to be a voice of the missing because they do not have one. So Yeah. I I agree. So so I, I just want to thank you so much and hopefully this show will be an inspiration for other people with um homicide or missing persons will perhaps uh want to, to come on the show as, as a result of your inspiring hour. And Delilah, do you have some um, parting message you would like to say? I'm very impressed with uh, with what we've accomplished today. <laughs> oh, yes, and, and thank you, Janine, for giving up your, your time and your yeah. expertise on this subject because for everyone out there who's listening, you may not have a missing person in your life right now but this can happen to you I don't care who you are I don't care if it's male female black white it doesn't matter through every person's life in one way or another so someone in your family or someone you know could go missing tomorrow and you have to be at least aware of the resources available so that you know what to do and how to help and how we can help you. So thank you, Janine, for giving us your time, for explaining everything so well as you always do. Yeah. Thank well, you, I Janine. want to thank both of you ladies for having me on there. This is, this is really a privilege for me to be able to, to openly speak about uh, missing males and missing all, all around, you know. But, missing yes, persons thank you in general. So very much. Well, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's our pleasure, and I hope everyone will will go to my social media and they can read about all of the the people that we've mentioned and more. So for now, I guess we will close out this edition of Shattered Lives Radio. Thank you so much, Janine. Again, thank you, Delilah, and we will see you next Saturday with another fascinating show. So have a great weekend, have a good Father's Day, and take care. Am I done?